record uh, comeback, isn't it? Yeah, from I know, the last episode to this one. A week. A week oh, later. Is it a week? Yeah. When did we? Or maybe just over a week. Maybe just over, but that's yeah. still a record. Yeah, I mean, and we're in the same room as well. Actually, we could probably go another while and it'd still be a record. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at least another month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, we've been doing this a couple of years now and we're just, yeah. you know, nearly at 20. Yeah, I know, I can't believe it's been a couple of years. I also can't believe it's. Did you say 17 last week? No. Yes. 17? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can only remember four of those. Yeah, I can, that's all I've got <laughs> Which, as well. you know, doesn't bode well no. for our listeners if I can only remember well, four. Well, it's it's that disposable kind of content, isn't yeah. it? You have spent to remember it. It's a snack. It's not a, exactly. it's not a great meal. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to move that a tiny bit closer to you. Oh, that's grand. But I, I tend to shout. I was just thinking, now, because we're sitting in, uh, in a radio studio now, and... Uh, the Zoom is in the middle of us, so I shout at the best of times. But now I feel like I'm shouting even more. Than I <laughs> but I notice that you do stare at the Zoom while you're yeah. shouting at it. So, yeah. <laughs> are you listening? <laughs> are you <laughs> picking me up? <laughs> yeah. um, it's the indifference from the machine that that's yeah. where you're kind of. No, only would like, lean a little towards me. Yeah. Um, so, how have you been since our last? Uh, episode good. good yeah busy uh, feels yeah. like it's very busy at the moment yeah. but but easter is looming easter's here yeah nice one jesus yeah <laughs> <laughs> so but that's I, great yeah i'm welcoming this this break uh, mm. quite a bit actually i plan yeah. on doing nothing work related yeah as much as i can I'll, yeah i'll probably be yeah. doing work related stuff i think okay. over easter which is a bit i suppose especially because you can't go away and things yeah. it sort of feels like this is just two weeks where I don't oh, have to, we, you know, maybe see to be a, students, but yeah, I'll but, still be working at them, but I know. It'd have to be a lot worse than this before I go, well, I guess I could work, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd really have to be, like the TV would have to explode. <laughs> would, everything. Yeah, everything. Everything before I go, yeah. well, i got to do something. Yeah. yeah. I just really hope it's like, do you remember Easter last year? The weather we had during oh, that yeah, was like yeah. our summer. Those two okay, weeks That's Easter. right, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. So if we could get that, yeah. Well, it'd be something, yeah, yeah for sure. The weather is really kind of lifting the mood, I think, at the moment, just yeah. that, that change in the last week. Yeah, so. it's not how much of an effect it has as yeah, well. I noticed really like, there was one day where it was three, it was raining three days in a row, and I was thinking, why do, do I not feel great this week? It's <laughs> like, oh, right, yeah, it's raining <laughs> yes. every single day. Like the pathetic fallacy yeah. is the, the, the thing in poetry yeah. where the weather reacts to your mood. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, enough of our private yes, lives that no okay. one's interested in. We're <laughs> 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 barely interested in the content, let alone us. Um, so what's what's on for this week? So this week we're talking about Alan versus Farrow. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Catch and Kill podcast with Ronan Farrow. And we're talking about speed, sound, love, lonely, KV. <laughs> I think it's just... Speed, sound, lonely, KV. Yeah. It's because there's a song... Called the That's speed right. sound of loneliness. That's yes. why I get it's speed sound lonely KV by Kurt Vile. Kurt Vile. Okay. So, yeah. And it's a it's an it's an Alan centric episode. Yeah, absolutely. We said. we kind of we themed this one right up. Yeah. With uh the the hunt, uh, Catching Hill podcast, which mm-hmm. is by Ronan Farrow, daughter son of Mia Farrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we get on to Mia Farrow's yeah. daughters at some point, but uh, uh son of um, Mia Farrow, who's the one half of Alan versus Farrow, which is the four-part HBO documentary that I'm about to introduce right now. Alan vs. Farrow is a HBO documentary spread over four one-hour episodes. It tells the story of the turbulent relationship between actor Mia Farrow and director Woody Allen. The documentary details the sexual abuse claims levelled at Allen by his daughter Dylan Farrow. The documentary also focuses on Allen's relationship with Farrow's adopted daughter Suni Previn. 
directors Kirby Dick and Amy Ziering made a documentary with full participation of Mia Farrow, Woody Allen having declined to be involved. This is the story of two of the biggest stars in the world. The father is Woody Allen, writer, director, actor. The mother is Mia Farrow, his co-star and mother of his three children. Say hi. Hi. My family was really close. It was an amazing childhood. But no matter what you think you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Woody Allen is one of the most prominent American directors. He was such a cultural figure. Woody Allen, Mia Farrow, that's the ideal power couple. Woody gave her everything she could possibly want. I was over the moon happy. But that's the great regret of my life. I wish I'd never met him. Mia reportedly has a video of their daughter, Dylan, explaining how Alan molested her. Would you give us a comment, Woody? Alan denies child abuse, but freely admits he's in love with another of Pharaoh's daughters, 21-year-old Soon Yi. There was a stack of Polaroid pictures. All of them were of my own child. I remember struggling to breathe. I thought to myself, there has to be another side to the story. Farrow was accused of seeking revenge for Alan's affair with Suni. She was terribly upset. The report says Farrow may have coached the child to tell the story. Where did he touch you? You brought charges against me as an unfit mother. And I'm going to make him stick. This is a case unlike anything the state of Connecticut had confronted. All of the notes were destroyed. For the first time as an adult, I read the court documents. My reaction was... Well, holy shit. Everybody wanted to know how this was going to end. Ready? There's so much misinformation. It doesn't matter what's true. What matters is what's believed. But, uh, yeah, so this is a four-part documentary by HBO, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's done with the very obvious collaboration of Mia Farrow. Mm. Woody Allen hasn't responded yeah. beyond a simple press release to say, I didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. that was his response, you know. Yeah. And uh, as we'll Standard. see, he has a notoriously bad way of handling the press as, as we go along. But mm. um, So, I guess, um, what was your kind of relationship with his work or him you know in terms mm-hmm. of a cultural presence in the world before this did we a fan or yeah I suppose I was a fan in that I think I was a fan almost because everybody else was a fan and mm-hmm. everybody else seemed to think he was great and funny yeah. and I did like you know I really liked Danny Hall I actually it was funny when I started thinking about his movies I thought I had seen a lot more of them right, than okay. I actually had I've seen all of Danny Hall I think I've only seen bits of Manhattan because I didn't realise it was as creepy as it was until yeah. I watched the documentary okay. and then there was oh I saw that one match point which wasn't great with Scarlett Johansson yeah. and that other guy who whatever his name is John Jonathan something oh guy Reese Myers book. yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah guy with the cheekbones yeah. um, and then I think I <laughs> might have seen only one or two others oh no uh, Midnight in Paris yeah which I did like yeah. and then maybe another so I maybe saw a handful of his films yeah. but yeah I just always thought he was as everyone said I, I thought he was kind of this sort of zany nerdy yeah. funny witty kind of guy and I, I, I thought his films were really clever and everything yeah. else yeah. but um, I didn't know but I didn't know anything about this at all like right. all I knew was that 
he had gone off with Mia Farrow's daughter, right. um, Suni. And did you Suni. know that she was her adopted daughter? Or did yes, you, yeah. I, I was just wondering I, how much the story had filtered through. Yeah, I, I knew that um, she was his, her adopted daughter. It, it wasn't his, it was her adopted, no, was her daughter, adopted yeah. daughter, yeah. I knew that she was her adopted daughter and that she was a lot younger, obviously, than yeah. uh, than him. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. Like That's all I really knew about it. But I was just thinking about this when I was watching the documentary. Like He did such a good job at playing down these other allegations that we're going right. to talk about and playing up the Sunni relationship yeah, because yeah. even I remember I used to watch a lot of kind of you know top 100 movies and things like that or top 100 comedies and things mm. and Woody Allen films would always be in there and they would mention the Sunni thing about Woody Allen but it was almost kind of passed off as like oh that's just quirky old Woody Allen yeah, going yeah, off exactly, and marrying yeah. his adopted his, his girlfriend's adopted daughter yeah. like it was so played down and I, it was only when I watched the documentary yeah. that I saw that was almost kind of like I guess it's, it's that whole thing of uh, which has really come up recently obviously everyone mentions like the abuse that uh, he was alleged to have you know he allegedly abused his his, his daughter um, Dylan. Dylan and uh, so this is the allegation that people keep throwing out he abused he allegedly abused his daughter uh, Dylan and he married uh, Mia Farah's daughter mm-hmm. and at that point there are so many men who will step in and go um yeah, but it's her adopted daughter. Mm. They're making that clarification. And you go, yeah, what about the other what bit about the, about the abuse of the child? You yeah. know, it's amazing how they skip over that mm. to correct that one tiny, I would argue, insignificant detail, yeah. <laughs> and just to to Very defend him. So do people know about because this was the thing because I had never heard about these allegations right. with Dylan before. So were you aware that yeah, there were allegations? This is where our age gap shows again. But I I was a, a fan of his films for a long time. I guess I kind of got into it in, in his films in the nineties mm. and when he was kind of at his creative peak in some ways. And then I dropped out of it at around the match point era, which would be early two thousands maybe. Yeah. yeah, it was. They were all diminishing returns from that point for me, and. Like every now and again, there would be, uh, is it Everyone Says I Love You? You mm. know that one? Where it's a kind of I a haven't musical. seen that, but I've heard it's There's so a wonderful sequence good, where yeah. they dance on the banks of the sand, him mm. and Goldie Hawn. And like he, he, they do this move where he spins her away, but she keeps gliding down the banks of the thing. And then she goes up in the air and floats and comes right. like that. And it's a wonderful sequence. It's so great. Yeah. Just very, very, just so satisfying to watch. And yeah. Just really, but... Very old Hollywood. Yeah, right very much, very much. Mm-hmm. And it's just beautiful special effects and it really works with that moment and it, it, it's very sweet. But, so you get bits like that every now and again, but mm. after a while I was just kind of, you know, I just, this is getting creepy, the old man with the younger woman. and yeah. I think it was the one with um, Juliette Lewis. I'm blanking on the name of it. Oh, I the know moment. the one you're talking about, yeah. And like, she just seemed so besotted with him. Yeah, they and, always were. Yeah, and, and that look. wouldn't... Who, who I don't think it happens as much as it happens. Not as much as it happens in Woody Allen, yeah. yeah. And but also like okay, we're not making a comment on relationships in the real world that where there's a, an age gap. Mm. We're certainly not saying that. But it's the fact that he's constantly doing it. Yeah. And he's he's aligning himself himself with you could argue, argue age inappropriate women. Yeah. But the fact that he avoids age appropriate women completely mm, yeah. is very telling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I can I think it kind of goes to his ego in a way. Oh, definitely, you know? yeah. And like, mm. can you imagine like, like Woody Allen is like one of the what do they call him? He's like a prestige director to have on your your in your studio as part of your, your 
team. Like you're the studio that makes Woody Allen films, mm-hmm. and they don't cost much. They make a decent amount. You know, they're critically loved. Mm-hmm. They generate Oscars mostly for women. That has to be said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's, you know, as an employee, he's, he's very valuable in that mm-hmm. sense. And as a result, nobody says no. Yeah. And nobody laughs when Woody Allen goes, oh, you know, I think Scarlett Johansson for this one. I and know, go, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how many people just went along. Like that, yeah. it was, and they mentioned that in the documentary. I think there was one critic or somebody went through all of his old scripts and he noticed that, that, that in yeah. every single, there was always him and then, or an older man, maybe yeah. not him, but somebody, if it wasn't him, it was, seemed to be kind of based on him, an yeah. older man with a very inappropriately young woman. And yeah. it kept getting younger and younger all the and time. Even, even the in fact his, that nobody pointed that yeah. out and said, look, this is a bit weird. We need to stop doing this. And also, it was in his... Do you remember they went to the, the library where his unpublished scripts were kept? It's like a mm. Library of Congress yeah. kind of thing. Where they, not Congress. They, you know, the like the British Library where you have a copy of every book. Mm-hmm. This was a similar thing in a... I can't remember exactly where in America. But they had loads of his unpublished or unmade scripts. And again, it was always a young woman, 20s. Mm. Maybe she's 18. You yeah. know, and he just got, come yeah. on. Yeah. And he, as he got older, he just did not change that. No. And it's... So, look, I'm not saying that this is proof that he has an attraction to women younger than that. Mm. Again, and this is just, he's pushing it as far as he can. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in in Manhattan, like I remember seeing that for the first time. And I remember myself and my mate Derek were very big fans of Woody Allen. We're going, why is it nobody in this film is making a fuss of the fact that he's 42 and she is 17? See, I didn't know. I, I've seen yeah. clips from, I always see, I think I used to see clips from Manhattan, but I never knew that that, yeah. really, it's, that it's she was so two young. two lines in the whole film. There's like one at the start and then he mentions it later on. Or, or there's a couple of lines dot, dotted around. But if you haven't seen the whole film, you could easily get, watch quite a big chunk of it mm. and not hear that. Right, you know? yeah. But... I remember, and it's just totally just normalized weird. in the yeah. film, yeah. And and I remember thinking, am I being very prudish? It's just just how things are out there, you know. <laughs> so like younger at the time, I remember going, no, I, I yeah, I'm old enough to know this is weird. <laughs> but what weird. is weird, even weirder, is nobody is commenting on mm. it. Even in the film, obviously Woody Allen controls who says what in the film. But yeah, but that's the thing. It's like there's a parallel between the characters in the film not yeah. saying anything about how weird this is and yeah. inappropriate, and then all these bigwigs in Hollywood yeah. just being like, "Well, if that's what Woody wants." Yeah. But like, but also, Woody happens. Allen has the the Tom Cruise problem, I guess, in a way now. Insofar as, look, when I see a Tom Cruise movie, I, I don't see oh, there's Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible mm-hmm. or whatever the guy's name is from Top Gun. It's just Tom, just Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. just he's not. He doesn't take on wildly different characters. Yeah. And neither does Woody Allen. So after a while, you go, he's showing us himself. You know that that's, yeah. that's what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but in that film, in in Manhattan, at the start, um, they're all out in a in a fancy restaurant in in New York, and uh, she excuses herself to go to the bathroom, and then he's talking to his friend, and he's going. Uh, I'm 42, she's 17, can you believe it? I'm dating someone who does homework. And mm. the guy, her male, his male friend, who's similar age, goes, oh, she's great, she's great. You know, yeah. She's such a great person. And you're so, <laughs> and you go, 
what the yeah, I know. <laughs> what's wrong with the you the whole thing is yeah. just so strange and that's how I do I would find it very hard to watch that now because that normalising these things that yeah, are not absolutely. okay and it, and especially now that I know everything but oh, so what did you think of the documentary Alan vs Farrow and yeah. how they revealed all the, the evidence against him I think uh, a lot of it I'd heard before because of just reading I remember reading a Sunday Times article where he was working on a script with um, I think the guy was named Marshall Brickman, who he co-wrote Annie Hall with, I think. Okay. Anyways, right. it, someone he'd written with before, and there was a guy there, maybe he had written the article or something, but anyway, Woody Allen gets a phone call in the middle of it from a lawyer, and he's on the phone, and he's talking about, you know, child abuse allegation this, mm. specific detail that, and he gets off the phone, and he goes, right, now where were we? Back to the script. And he was yeah. horrified that he was able to switch from one to the other right. so easily. Yeah. So I had, I'd read a bit about it, and... I read his. When was um, that that you read that article? Was that oh, a, long time ago? a good while ago. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. easily ten years ago. Oh, if okay, not more, right. You know? yeah. So this this was a long. I think it was probably closer to the allegations, which maybe closer to twenty years now. This it must okay, be. Okay, right. Must be, you know, but um, the the case was ongoing. I remember that it hadn't been concluded, and uh, I just remember thinking, you know, you don't want to believe these things, mm. you, you, and. Because, you know, if you're invested in any way in the, yeah. in, the, in the work they're making, you know, it makes it difficult to enjoy it. But yeah. that's a small, you know, that's that's nothing in the consideration of it all. But I, I just found uh, at the time, I said, it feels worryingly believable. Yeah. You know, right. it really does. And um, I just, there, there was all these allegations that Mia Farrow had coached her daughter mm-hmm. to, say to, to say these things. Yeah. But apparently she was incredibly consistent and in, when mm. interviewed, yeah, and stuff like, which then led to su- suspicion that she'd been coached because yeah, she was so because consistent. Yeah, because she was so consistent. Yeah, yeah. Because see, I was I didn't I hadn't heard about any of these allegations mm. at all. So when I watched the documentary, I couldn't believe it. I was right, hearing okay. all of this for the first like time. Like this had just broken. Yeah, story. almost yeah, had yeah, just yeah, broken, yeah. and also the kind of the um, incredulousness, incredulity, that he was the everyone knew about this and he was yeah, just yeah. allowed to keep making films yeah. for so long now I know it was because they had a court case and it was ruled that he probably didn't do or what I don't know that whole court case was so there was, strange there was other elements that said that there was there was evidence to proceed right. and other people said that no there wasn't different investigative bodies or organisations and yeah, but I think the decision not to put her on the witness stand was, was the thing that collapsed. Yeah, the whole thing. that was the whole thing. Yeah. So he couldn't be proven yeah. guilty, I suppose, in a way. But it, so I couldn't. Be, I just couldn't believe that for the last twenty years or ever long, everyone's known about this, and Woody Allen has been able to go on and make films and be not just make films, but be applauded and lauded on stage when yeah. people knew that all of these allegations were. It, it just seemed crazy to me. But also, just that scene when he came back, like he famously never went to the Academy Awards, right. but he went the year after. After the case was dropped, oh, okay. and he comes out and says, "And as a standing mm. ovation." I got and so mad when just, I saw that, and all, all these actors they all want to work with him so badly, yeah. you know? and like all these actors coming out and saying, "How what a, what a genius!" No, see the thing is, and this is the whole thing. I suppose this is another question. It's like, can you separate? the art from the art it's like yeah. maybe artist you know in a way he is a creative genius genius and with his written work and everything else and his comedy but i don't there just seems something wrong about all these people yeah. standing up and giving him a standing ovation when there was this poor woman out there who really from watching the documentary and now i know obviously the documentary was very skewed towards well it was towards it to me a pharaoh yeah but at the same time yeah why would they yeah but at the same time they it was a real deep dive into it. It, was, it wasn't yeah. just like it was very obvious that they had done a lot of investigation into this. Mm. The fact that 
everyone in the family. Now it was strange that the sun came out, and I was remember when Mel- it was Moses. Moses yeah. I was wondering, did Woody Allen get to him? Because he did try Apparently to do that. Apparently, that, that's Farrell. what happened. Uh, like Moses Farrow is another adopted child of Mia Farrow, but he um, he claimed that this didn't happen. Yeah. But I remember listening to him go and going. Who cares what you think? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Your opinions on this don't mean a thing. Mm. You didn't see anything. You can't prove yeah, it. Yeah, he you wasn't even you, there. Yeah, just because it... you're saying you don't believe it doesn't change a single thing. But well, people put a lot of stock in what he said. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Uh, but what, what did it for me with that, uh, with the whole thing was the taped conversations between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow were the most damning part of it. Definitely. And he was the one who taped them. Uh, yeah, they were both out of it. He, okay. he actually... He, um, oh, so both of them were taped. They were both taped. Okay, so I was wondering how they would have gotten his yeah. taped But he had said he wasn't at one point. And, and you remember then, then he, he started talking yeah. to somebody, was yeah, it? I'm just taping her here, and he didn't realise So it that was... must have been his tape, because if for in order for us to hear both sides of that conversation, he we must have had been listening to his recording, were we? He thought... It was something about the way the recordings were set up in that he thought he was switching over to another line. Oh, but he... Oh, right, but he, he wasn't. wasn't. And okay. she could still hear him. Right. And, and then she came back, she just played it really cool right, and didn't say anything. Okay. So, yeah, the arrogance. Oh, yeah, and then coming back on, I wouldn't even know how to do that. You yeah, know, all that. Yeah, but uh, but also she had said to, every time she said to him about these terrible things he did, he never once denied it. In yeah, the well, that was a big thing. It's like I mean, if, if you're if you were accused of molesting yeah. a child, like if you didn't do, it, you think the first thing you'd be saying was, "I just want to put it out there. I did not yeah. do this." You wouldn't be, you know, working your way around. And she would, and, she would say things like, you know, these terrible things you've done, and you know, and mm. but then they'd be talking about getting back together and stuff like that, and. Uh, now, this conversation was mostly about Sunni, I guess, where they were talking yeah, about getting back together. I think together. this was kind of one of the first conversations, yeah. wasn't it? But also with the with the thing about uh, um, Dylan, she said it to him in, in those conversations, these terrible things you've done to her. She's afraid. She, mm. you know, she said she told us what you did and he doesn't deny it. Yeah. He's more concerned but, with moving on from it and yeah, kind of, which is breathtaking arrogance and yeah. just... Yeah, lack the, of awareness of what yeah, he's done. The, the overall absolute arrogance of him, which is almost understandable because obviously everybody's just done what he wants for years and years and years. He probably just thinks yeah, he can get away yeah, with it. I and, guess so. But even the fact that, so they had the trial or the and, and the, the court case, and then he tried to get, or maybe this was the, he tried to get sole custody of the kids. Yeah, uh, which apparently is is a thing that happens yeah. a lot. Now yeah, you were yeah. saying after that case, this yeah, is, you know, a, something it, that happens, and also allegations of sexual abuse uh, against. It's almost like a race to see who gets that that allegation in first. Yeah, it, yeah. it became a, almost a, th- a trend at the time. You know, I remember reading about it. I don't know how true it was, or was it just uh, another story? But yeah, it was his arrogance and his kind of. There's a, a moment where she says. You're trying to paint me as an unfit mother. Mm. Uh, you're, you're trying to. What did he say? She said something like, "You're trying to put charge me with being an unfit mother." And he said, "Yeah, and I'm going to make those charges stick." Yeah. And it was so much. And he kept saying things like, uh, "You'll see, you'll see I what will happen." And all of this. Yeah, it's such a threatening little shit. Like he couldn't. <laughs> 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 objective journalism, um, yeah. but he couldn't have gone more out of his way to seem guilty if he tried. Mm. You know mm-hmm. and. But what I found, remember that moment where he was being interviewed where he said to the guy, he said, uh, I'm not a paedophile, I've, I've had loads of opportunities to do it and I didn't. 
And kind of go, like, we've all like, had loads of opportunities yeah. to do it. That's but we crazy. don't think don't of our interactions yeah. with children as opportunities Opportunity to resisted to be a paedophile. Yeah, you know? it's that is crazy. It's, yeah, I know. And like when people start saying things like that, you have to. There's something there. Like yeah. somebody who doesn't think that way, it doesn't yeah. even enter their head. They don't say things like that, and they would flat out 100% deny it from the start in their language and everything. Yeah. But he's so good at those. They showed an interview. It wasn't Michael Parkinson. Maybe it was Parkinson. He was on an interview with somebody. It was a Parkinson. It was a Parkinson. Yeah. And the way he's able to make, he was, and he was so, so good at so it. So self-deprecating. Yeah, he's yeah. able to, you know, oh, beforehand, lots of people didn't like me and didn't like, and now it's no. just about the same or yeah, whatever, exactly, you know. So yeah. he's just, he was so good. But it, it worked because, like I said, I didn't know about it. Yeah, so, like, exactly, you know, yeah. at the time, obviously, I was quite young. We were in Ireland. It, it probably maybe would have been different if I was in America, but I didn't hear anything about those allegations. Yeah. So whatever he did to squash the allegations and, and really play up the Sunni relationship, yeah. that that really worked. Yeah, and I also think it's a lot of people defending him by going, "Well, it's not as a, it's not as his real daughter. He wasn't a father. He didn't have a parental <laughs> relationship." But you know, you kind of go, "Well, no matter what relationship you're in with somebody, I think." Does it need to be said that the children are out of bounds? Yeah. You know, that, yeah. Whether they're related to you or not. I know. The know? fact that, yeah, you could be going out with somebody and there's even a chance that yeah. they might go off with your like, daughter or son or something. going out with somebody and breaking up and then, like, even can you imagine how frowned upon going out with their friend would be? Yeah, yeah. You don't do yeah. that. Yeah. And you certainly don't go, well, I'm dog. here anyway. You start looking around. But it was just so seedy, <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. With, yeah. with his, with his. But also with people like that, it's kind of like, his whole thing with Sunni, he had that quote at the time, the heart wants what the heart wants. Mm. And he, and his next film was Husbands and Wives, I think, oh, yeah. which had so many parallels. Like, that, this was ongoing right. at the time, wasn't oh, it? Okay. Like they were in yeah, the, it was. It was around the same time. If you look, yeah. look at that film and you can just see the way she's talking to him and it's all about an affair and stuff like is that. Is Mia Farrah in that? She is. Oh, yeah. she is? She had to appear in it. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah, uh, I do remember that from the documentary. So, yeah. But this heart wants what the heart wants bullshit is just, you know... Yeah, it's not it, the way it grown. It's not you're not a, you're not a fucking animal. Excuse yeah. my language. <laughs> <laughs> you can control yourself. Yeah. And, also, and also, why does your heart want that? Yeah. Why does your heart want that? But also, like when he started feeling that way, it, it it's not like I don't buy that anyone just he he knew that girl for a long time, a number of years since she was a child. Mm. He didn't all of a sudden just hit by a thunderbolt and was in love with her. If he felt those things starting. You know, he was already not living with them. Just yeah, stay away. Just stay away. Just, yeah, you know, there's things that you can do. I hate that when people, yeah. particularly men, have this type of excuse of, yeah. oh, well, you know, what What? what, what did you was expect? I supposed it was to bound do? to happen. No, it was not. <laughs> there I is just, always I, a moment where you can go. You have a choice. You, you can have walk away, a choice. You, you can know? walk away. I just, that re. So the whole, it's, I'm getting very angry when That's I talk okay. about this because it just reminds me of all the things that annoy me about certain people where they're just. Not like, all men, right? <laughs> yeah. I just wonder when I get a chance to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you know what's scary, though? Yeah. So he wasn't in the documentary. I'm assuming they asked him and he refused. They asked him. They had that, um, that thing at the end where he said, never, I didn't do nothing. Yeah, yeah. And the whole way through, though, in fairness to them, they were um, playing excerpts from his, how do you pronounce that word? Apropos? Apropos. Apropos of nothing. Apropos. <laughs> it's spelled like apropos. Oh, um, apropos of nothing. So, which was his yeah. memoir that he yeah. wrote and read and he read in the audiobook as well. And he, he's talking about it. So I brought this up in my class in my third years and I asked, has anyone seen the documentary? <clears throat> and um, I don't think anybody had, but 
one guy had read the audiobook and or listened to the audiobook and he was saying or read the book or whatever and he was saying oh right because I read his book and it really really sounded to me like he's totally innocent and she was just a mental yes yeah, it's like, his book of course it's going to sound that way what do we expect him? Getting, yeah I really messed up yeah, but then, uh, <laughs> and then when we started explaining myself and I think maybe another student had seen had seen yeah. the documentary in the, as well and they were saying no god you, you need to watch the documentary and yeah, he, yes, he was very like oh right he was yeah, just sort yeah. of saying oh that's that's interesting because mm-hmm. for reading the book like I really just thought oh yeah no Mia Farrow was just she was just after him because of his relationship with Sunni and everything else I was thinking no that's just what he yeah. wants you to think and also if even if that was true I could kind of understand it you know I could kind mm. of understand her anger yeah. at him for doing that I mean, <laughs> yeah she was incredibly you know? understanding she really about that. Was. like she came across really well in some ways, yeah you know, she was yeah she came across really well in the documentary but definitely it seemed like yeah, she put up with too much yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh, absolutely. From, from but again, all of this stuff un- unfolds in minutes rather than... Like, yeah. we, we were able to look at the whole thing in four hours and go, what was she thinking? It was so obvious. But yeah, that played out over yeah. years for her. Yeah. And it's... W- the wearing down a- of her must must have been so intense and trying to hold a family together. And, you know, I guess you could argue coming from that liberal kind of 60s kind of uh, New York elite kind of attitude towards relationships. You could understand her... Maybe having a non-traditional view of things, yeah, but there's non-traditional, yeah. and, then and then there's you know, yeah, that's the thing. Maybe in the fear of seeming too conventional or like a yeah, bit of a, and it's, uh, it must mess with your your mind so much being that. But his his conviction towards um, destroying her. Yeah, that, that was what I thought. I just felt so terrible. That's why I, I was just delighted in yeah. a way watching the documentary and even listening to the podcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. It's just great that finally these stories are starting to be heard mm. because for how many years she just had to put up with him. Oh, first nobody believing her. First of all, nobody believing her daughter. But then also this smear campaign against her, and yeah, like she yeah. was pretty much, you know, like she said she could go to Europe and make films, but she couldn't make films no, in America no, no, after no. that. Then yeah. and. Yeah, it's just, it is, it's great that finally these type of stories are starting to come out now and people are starting to listen to them. But I wonder what it, what, what it's like in his head in, in so far that is he, has he managed to convince himself that he didn't do these things and he's, yeah, I wonder. does he seeing himself as the per- persecuted person or is he just someone who knows he did wrong and he is, he'll do anything to get his leg out of the trap, yeah. including gnaw it off. Mm. It's just, I don't know which is worse, yeah, but it's, I wonder, um, yeah. I don't Maybe know. he's just so arrogant that, because I think this is the same with Harvey Weinstein, so arrogant that he knows what he did, but he thinks it's okay in his yeah, own mind. Yeah. and he, But he knows he can't admit it because he knows other people don't yeah. think it's not okay. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I was amazed by it. But also, you know, when they, they spoke to a lot of the of, um, Hollywood stars who were in his films and talking about the case and the impact on it, and I remember Kate Blanchett going, well, that it seems like that's a family matter that yeah. they need. And Jesus Christ, the gymnastics you're doing in your head there to justify the fact yeah. that you wanted that Oscar. Yeah, those actors that know? were shown um, defending him, I'd say they were watching it going, oh, yeah. I shouldn't Particularly, and I, this is going to sound like it shouldn't make that much of a difference, but particularly the actresses. Yeah, you know? would, yeah. I mean, yeah. Scarlett Johansson must be looking at Woody Allen going, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> it just wouldn't happen, Woody. Yeah. But I'm happy to pretend in the film, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. It was. But also, if you look at um, Dylan um, Farrow's uh, Twitter page, and if you looked at it, no, I haven't. So many you. people coming up there saying, "Amazing story! You did so well to tell it. It was incredible." Mm. But then they just men going up. I don't believe you. And yeah. he's going, "Why? What? 
Why would, would you it, believe him over her? Yeah, What's what your would evidence? It take? For, what, yeah. And I guess it's down to the way he, he deals with it too, insofar as, look, no one can 100% prove he did it. Mm. There's no footage, there's no, yeah. you know, he's demonstrated a lifetime of questionable behavior and practices. Mm. And, uh, but no one can prove it. So I think he just goes on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll pay whatever it costs to kind of keep this thing going and keep me out of jail and yeah, keep, you know pretty much yeah imagine living your life like that it must be exhausting yeah, but I just... guess he, he, no, I don't think any other children have ever come forward and said he did this to me but that's yeah I think I think that's almost in a way that's what makes it more believable that he focused it on, on focused it on his daughter yeah who he seemed to have an unnatural obsession with yeah even if it, even know? if it didn't if the allegations didn't happen definitely like a therapist said to me a pharaoh i yeah. don't i don't think the way woody deals with um dylan is appropriate yeah There's and also they're, un- they're housekeepers and their nannies and stuff like that and yeah. a lot of people had said it yeah so but yeah no i thought the documentary was great though i thought it was really, it was really i thought it, and it was really good i think they were very good at covering all it seemed like they're good at covering all the bases of the story and they didn't just retell the story yeah. they they can really took a proper deep dive into it and revealing yeah. these new facts and yeah and you know there was plenty of opportunity together. for him to come back and you know to to be involved with this i just can't imagine anyone you know, with that hanging over them, would do mm. anything to risk their current status yeah. by saying the wrong thing. And he seems like the kind of guy who might say the wrong thing. Yeah, no, that's defense, definitely. You know? And so, finally, then just in terms of like the, the art versus the art, like do you, are, do you think you're going to be able to watch Woody Allen? Well, films his films now? have gotten to the point where I just don't enjoy them, so right. that's worse. I my thing in it is really, I can't separate them. You but can not while they're alive. Yeah, that's, that's. I can't give him money. Yeah, that's Do you know what I mean? I think well. I'm just going to check the timer on this while we're. Yeah, I can't support him yeah. in any way. And yeah. that's unfortunate, you know. Well, in, in theory, you know. Mm. But um, he's gotten enough money out of me over buying DVDs over the years and stuff like that. I would have no problem. If I heard he had a great film, I'd have no problem downloading that film. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There'd be no moral quandary there. I'd be glad yeah. to take money out of his pocket. Yeah. Because I felt he was undeniably guilty and I mm. think anyone who, who thinks otherwise needs to look at their own behaviour yeah, <laughs> I'm so. not saying they're doing the same as him yeah. but there is some shady Horror shit compass. in your past that you were hoping you're yeah. not going to be caught for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a great great piece of work four yeah. episodes perfectly judged perfectly timed and it was uh, yeah it was great yeah. and it's on HBO it's on HBO yeah yeah, it's on Sky. Yeah, it's going to be on Sky. Yeah. Okay, that's a, a big thumbs up for me. Yeah, me too. Okay, what's next? Great. So when we move on, will we segue into the Catch and Kill Segway podcast? Smoothly. Smoothly. And I'll um, just give a little original intro here. So um, uh, the Catch and Kill podcast with Ronan Farrow is produced by Pineapple Street Studios. Um, so for the past two years... Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Ronan Farrow has been following a trail of clues from his investigation of Harvey Weinstein to other blockbuster stories about the systems that protect powerful men accused of terrible crimes in Hollywood, Washington and beyond. The Catch and Kill podcast brings you their stories in their own words for the first time. Sorry. That was fine. I left out a chunk there because I didn't want it to be, you know, absolute verbatim word for word. And then I realised when I left out the chunk that it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) What will we do? But no, I think I think it's it makes enough sense yes. anyway. So, Without but it's a nice. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I, I listened to this one a while ago. So your memory is fresher on it than, mm, than mine okay, is. Okay, right. Yeah, because um, it was released in 2020, was it? Yeah. yeah. It's eight episodes, nine eight episodes. Eight episodes. So yeah. the first six are about Harvey Weinstein. And mm. then the last, the final, no, and then there's one about Donald Trump. Right. And then there's one, I think, about, uh, there's an interview with uh, Rose McGowan. Yes. So I think it's yeah. eight altogether, yeah. yeah. But the first six kind of exclusively focus on the Harvey yeah. Weinstein Yeah, and then story. they were... They were kind of brought out to focus on other things that had come to light, yeah. particularly Rose McGann's kind of... Um, uh, could you argue that she kick-started the Me Too movement? I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so, definitely. She was I just one don't of want to leave people. anyone out, but it, yeah, in my no, memory, I, it seems to be her. Yeah, no, I think yeah. it definitely was, yeah. It was yeah. when her, when she came out and said that a studio boss, had a stu- studio executive had raped her. Yeah. That was kind of the first time yeah. you heard anything about this. Right. So you heard it last year. Yeah, I listened okay. to it last year, and I, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I think Ronan Farrow has become this. He's kind of like a, he's a very he's kind of a watchword for integrity at the moment. Mm. He's, you know, he's, yeah. he seems uh, like he's very thorough in his work. He's very uh, um, well researched, and I, I think his his stuff is beyond question. Really, mm. he, and also he seems to be a man who has. Uh, no skeletons in his closet to worry about. I really hope not. Yeah, that's yeah. because and I, I yeah. You see, it's a r- rare exception that somebody who feels that I can go after these people because they've got nothing, nothing on they me. They can't get me. You know? Yeah, and I'm sure that well, they obviously, as we heard in the podcast, they've tried yeah. their best to do well, that. What was it? He he is um, a fully qualified lawyer. He, oh, he, is he a lawyer? Yeah. Okay, I just, I thought, he, I knew he, he, he was a journalist, he t- but I, I knew he also worked for the, the uh, was it the UN or the... Oh yeah, he's, done, like he's yeah. done so much. But he did, I think he had... He's a, only 33 years old, he's very young. Yeah, but he's, uh, yeah, so I think I think that's what... I, and also, you see it in the documentary, uh, the, the Alan V. Farrow one, he shows up quite late in the documentary. Yeah. And, you know, he had kind of not dismissed his sister, but had never really given yeah, it the he attention. He just didn't want to, yeah, yeah, he almost wanted to forget about it. And, and then when he started looking into it, that's when that it exploded when it again. Yeah. And I think yeah. he made a, a really uh, rough, I, I don't know somebody for him, but he made a very rough Father's Day Oh uh, yeah, it was tweet. an article. Yeah, yeah, and then he also didn't he write an article yeah. for either the New Yorker, or the New York Times. Like it's the New Yorker, isn't yeah. it, that he wrote for? Well, well, uh, but, but yeah, basically, but also focusing think, on Woody Allen. And I think, and not to take anything away from the Me Too movement, but there was also that other incident with um, Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. where his past had come to light. Yeah, and that was at the hands of the comedian Hannibal Buress. Okay. He had he had said uh, he had made a, a comment on stage about him. That Bill Cosby drugs and rape women, right. so it's all out there, okay. and that kind of kicked that off. Right, yeah. And then a lot that, of people yeah. came for like sixty people, seventy people yeah. came forward yeah. with that, and that's another great podcast. Uh, oh, there's yeah. a podcast about Cosby that's really that. good. Right. Uh, but he, yeah. So it became this this climate of people for the first time feeling they could speak up, women mm-hmm. feeling they could speak up about this stuff, and it snowballed so quickly. But um, I think. Uh, the Rose McGowan angle on it was great. I almost wish that had been a bit earlier in the podcast in a way, just to yeah. frame it a bit. Yeah. But I guess they were talking about the downfall of Harvey Weinstein. Mm. And I'd, I'd like her voice to have been in it earlier, but 
you know, and then did you listen to the, the, the interview where there's an episode yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah, yeah just yeah. the interview with, yeah, but I know what you mean. It, it probably would have been good if she came. But I think time wise, I think he had, to, yeah. he had to kind of build up he to had that to keep almost. To the timeline, yeah, I think, almost. Yeah, yeah. You know? But no, I agree. I think he's great. I'd never heard of Ronan Farrow yeah. before the Alan versus Farrow yeah. uh, documentary, and I, I saw him then, and then you told me about the podcast. But he's just one of these people, like, you know, his mother is Mia Farrow, his father's Woody Allen, which is just crazy. Although a lot looks, of people are saying well, it's he, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, but after he said that, every time I see him now, I'm thinking, yeah, he read he does definitely. There is yeah. not one bit of Woody Allen no. in terms of his looks. Well, like I'm he's, sure he's, he's very quite very lucky that, yeah. in the, that. But uh, yeah. I know I I just think he's someone he easily could have just rested on the fact that he's two very famous parents. But he, yeah. instead he's gone like above yeah. and beyond. Yeah. Like he's this amazing like lawyer journalist, and he's it's really like he's trying to get the truth. Like he's yeah. just, so I really hope nothing ever comes out about him because at the moment he just seems like yeah, kind of the golden boy yeah, of journalism. You know, and you know I'm sure somebody had something that if. I don't, if, if Harvey Weinstein had anything and he would well, be able to get yeah, it that's you know, the thing. Well, but the, the, the podcast starts off basically with him talking about how he was he was writing he was investigating the Harvey Weinstein case and other um, powerful people whose stories were being squashed yeah. and things like that and then he found out that there was a, a detective um, I think he called them detectives tailing him that yeah, this group, yeah. was it called Black Cube was the yes, name of it yes this investigative organisation yeah. who were you know Hired by yeah. very powerful people that they didn't know who it was, yeah. and they would hide. They would follow these journalists, and I think in other countries they would kill them. I think that was yeah. The, there was some connection with Mossad with the mm. uh, I'm almost afraid to say it in case one of them comes through the window. But <laughs> it was which is um, uh, let's not get into it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to try and define it and be completely wrong. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, it did have shady kind of mm. overtones as to what yeah. they were doing and threatening and that he was in danger you know yeah yeah so and, uh, and when the, the detective or the whatever you call them um found out who who the the, the client was which was harvey weinstein I'm assuming yeah. and, and what ron Farrow was trying to do he just realized well i don't want to tail this guy anymore yeah, i agree yeah. with what he's doing and i yeah. don't want to so he, he actually contacts ronan farrow and tells him you know yeah. like i've been tailing you for the last while yeah. and that's kind of how the, the podcast starts off that's but great, yeah. um no i thought i thought it was uh, i thought it was great it was really good listening to it as well after the Woody Allen yeah. uh, documentary just because there's so many power, you know another yeah. powerful rich white man who's just been doing whatever he yeah. wants but now I think in, in some way it's hard to say something's worse because obviously what Woody Allen did if he did it which it seems like he did was absolutely terrible but the Weinstein thing what I thought was terrible about that was how many people oh knew he was yeah. doing it so many people for so many I years I just don't buy the amount of people who say they didn't know like there's that filmmaker Kevin Smith who you know, had all of his success with Miramax films, and he's right. come out relatively recently saying, "I didn't know." And I said, "You, you knew, you heard something yeah, worse than he was a big grabby with women. Yeah, you yeah. heard worse than that. Yeah. There's no way." Yeah, that because people don't notice that. yeah, well, remember Rose McGowan says in her uh, interview when it after it happened, she it was, she had to do a photo call or something mm-hmm. like that, and Ben Affleck was there, and she said she was in tears, and yeah. she, I I didn't I didn't really pick it up properly, but the the the, I think the the gist of it was that she said, "Oh, you know, I've just been with Harvey," and he was kind of like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know." Yeah. I've heard. It was almost yeah. like he even you know maybe I'm sure he didn't know he had raped her, but maybe he just thought he was yeah. being a bit handsy or horrible or whatever. But yeah, and I'm, but people you know, knew he had yeah, a reputation, absolutely. obviously. But I, the idea that you know, he just seems so so corny about how he went about it mm. oh just gonna pop up to my room for yeah. a minute and just you know and then before you know it he's you know 
ready to go and he's like, and naked. Naked. And naked. This whole thing of like they come back out yeah. and he's naked. Yeah. Like they, they write and the also, stories you hear like that. Again, maybe it, this is I think about how power corrupts people and their their self image and their you know. You know, he's he's nothing to look at as a person. Mm. He's he's very you know. I wouldn't want to be unkind towards him because you know, making fun of people's appearance is nothing they can do about it. But I'm not mm. making fun of it. But he's he's not. No. He's not in the league of the women he's pursuing. No. The, you know, and he's not. And then, and and in knowing that he's not in those leagues, he, he doesn't just bow out. He just goes right. I'm, I'm you know, still in the game here. I'm just gonna yeah, come I, up with another way. Yeah, I often so, wonder with people like that. Is you know, is that why? Like, did he have any interest in film, or did he just want to get into film and be a producer because he knew it would make him rich and powerful yeah. and put him in this position where he could rape yeah. women? Like, would he have been a rapist, whatever? Yeah, area that some he went into? I think he would have been, but I think it's not. But he, he did have this great. He had a great eye for for material and and how to make it better and stuff like that, and great eye for talent. But um, he's just so. Yeah, you're right. I, I think he, he he was that anyway. Yeah. Whether he was, this just gave him opportunity. Lots of opportunities power, to be around very you know? beautiful women as and well. I'm sure and I'm yeah. sure there were plenty of people who, you know, saw an opportunity to further their career, yeah. and it happens in Hollywood with men and women, and you know, uh, it's an abuse of power no matter what. Mm. So it happens, but he somehow normalized this as being just a way that business gets done. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah. like. Oh, and yeah. not just with actors, with assistants as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it wasn't like he was just going yeah. after the big name Absolutely. actors. It was assistant, very, very young assistants. Yeah, and also as it just well. seemed like whoever was near him when he was mm. in the mood, and it was yeah, just. Yeah, I know that's and that there was one. I think there was one journalist. Oh, I think she was a lawyer actually, mm. and she just went out of her way to make sure that it was a a breakfast meeting, and that was like something mm. like half six in the morning. To, yeah, so that yeah. she, because she knew if it was any later than that, if it was going to be in his hotel room or anything. There's a good chance that he was something was going yeah, to happen. Absolutely. So even even then, at that stage, I think that was like one of her first times. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that there were so many women so uncomfortable around him for so long, and oh, he was allowed yeah. to get away with that for years and years. But and also the the amount of was there an interview with his secretary in it or something like that, and she seemed to know what was going on mm-hmm. of women going into his office, and so she's telling the story and stuff, and you kind of going. Yeah, but you did nothing. I know. You just sat yeah, there and let it thought, all happen. Yeah. And you saw these tearful women coming out of his office or his hotel room. And you just arranged for the next one. I know. Just... There was there was somebody, and I don't know if it was the person that was interviewed or they inter- definitely interviewed an assistant, a young assistant. And yeah. um, I think she might have been Chinese or, or half Chinese or something like that. And she was saying, oh, I think she was Chinese British or right. something. Yeah. And she came over. And she was saying, oh, well, thank God for that woman, whatever her name was, because mm. she knew, and so she made sure that I stay, kept, was kept away from yeah, her. And I was yeah. thinking, but wait, obviously this woman knew what yeah. was happening. Okay, she was keeping her away, yeah. because then they were they were kind of, you know, saying, oh, yeah, what would what do you think would have happened if, say, whatever her name was, Susan, hadn't kept you away? But it was like, but Susan knew. Yeah, Susan knew exactly, that this was happening yeah. to young Susan girls. Susan had it happen to other people. Yeah, no, she might have kept them nothing. away, but why didn't yeah. she? I why suppose Susan ring the police? I suppose yeah. because she knew probably... That her career would be destroyed and all of that, and that and that's what kept happening yeah. to these actors, which is which is terrible as well. You know, like Rose McGowan and everything else. Not so much Rose McGowan now, but there's a lot of actors there where they're saying Harvey Weinstein, even either after he did it, when he even if they if he got his way or if they refused, yeah. he would just completely blacklist them yeah. in in Hollywood. Then, but it's it's like, can they not just see it as a job? 
Yeah. Like, they shouldn't have to give up their job because of what he did, but they should be able to, at some point, go, I, I can't, like, they're just receptionists and, mm. you know, and stuff like that. Like, can they not just go, I'm a receptionist for a big Hollywood, uh, you know, producer, and I'm getting well paid for it. But how does that override your duty to say something and report yeah, this crime? Yeah, I know. It's just, yeah. like, maybe we'd all act differently if it's easy to say yeah, we're not in that. I suppose, yeah. Know? But um, no, I thought... Um, uh, he, and, and one thing that was interesting as well, I was, I was reading a review. And, uh, so this was a book, first of all, mm. The Catch and, Catch and Kill. Yeah, yeah. And then it was made into a podcast. And he said when he was writing his book, which was before the podcast, he saw big differences in interviews. The people that he approached yeah. for interviews in the book, they were a lot, the women were a lot more reserved. They were a lot more afraid to come forward and yeah. say anything. But he said by the time they got to the podcast, the women, they were, they were letting themselves be named. They were yeah, very yeah. vocal about yeah. it. There was one woman, what was the, I think she was Italian, Ambra... Yeah. Amber Gutierrez and yeah. her story was it was really interesting because she yeah. was kind of a young model and she had gone to the police and they agreed to put a wire on her so so she actually taped yeah. a whole yeah. interaction with Harvey Weinstein and you can it was hear him terrifying. Yeah, it was, was yeah trying to, and she was in his room and he was trying she to get so angry at her yeah was, oh yeah no it was but but, but, it's, but just the badgering of her and just the like there's so such obvious lack of care or interest in her mm. other than what he could get from her in that yeah. moment. And it very much seemed yeah. like once he got his way, he was pretty much yeah. done with them Absolutely. then. It was like, yeah, on to yeah. the next one, and I, I don't, you know. Yeah. It's, if anything, because with Rose McGowan, I suppose, I was thinking about this, in his mind, he kind of got his way with her. But her career very much suffered after. Oh, she yeah. now, So yeah. before she even came out. So yeah, I was yeah. wondering, is there something that when he does that to women, he do, he just doesn't work with them again because he's afraid that it might come out or something. Whereas yeah. if he distances himself from them and then they say something, he can say, oh, she's just, you know, she's just yeah, mad I, because I, I, I haven't heard her. her in, yeah. in Shakespeare in Love or something. I yeah. have a feeling probably that's happened oh, quite a lot. Yeah, so absolutely. on top of the trauma of what happened, they also yeah. have this trauma of losing their career and everything. Absolutely. It's just terrible. And, you know, it's absolutely this, terrible. Being branded a liar. And being yeah. a money grabber and, and difficult on set and all. Yeah. They were saying something about now. I don't think it ever happened to Daryl Hannah, but they were saying that was one of the reasons why Daryl Hannah disappeared off the scene right. for a while. And uh, Mira Savina, so not Mira yeah. Savina, the one, the woman who's in the Woody Allen film. Mira Savina was the woman who's in. She's in Mighty Aphrodite. Okay, yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm I'm getting her mixed up with Mina Savar. <laughs> Very yeah, that's a very. Name. You don't want to have those of those in your film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, she, because she was, I think she won an Oscar for that that Woody Allen film. She did, and then she just completely disappeared. Yeah. And they mentioned her in the Catch and Kill podcast, yeah. and I was like, oh, does that happen to her as well? I like, think these, it did. I think yeah, it did. It did they just go back. after yeah. these whatever reason, whether they they denied his advances or what, they go after. Yeah. And and I can't imagine Harvey Weinstein was, you know. Because he was, apparently he had done, he obviously did this to famous actresses as well as aspiring ones mm. that we've never heard of. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine he, he wasn't off bragging about it somewhere. Well, I mean, he would tell mm-hmm. women that he had slept with Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. and her career had gone through the roof and apparently it just wasn't true. He had, yeah. He had tried to. And, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I, t- I just thought it was a brilliantly made podcast yeah. and just so sensitively handled. Yeah. And uh, I love the way Ronan Farrow is constantly kind of taking the piss out of himself yeah, as well. And is, he allows yeah. other people, like he's into yeah. everyone he asks, was like, what did you think of me when you first met me? And they're all like, yeah, you were just like, you never stopped texting, never yeah. stopped emailing. And just how, yeah, how, how rabid he was to kind of get more and more information. Yeah. yeah. But that's what you need, isn't it? A yeah. A really dogged kind of approach to this kind of thing. That's the thing. But yeah, so that was another, that follow, especially following on from watching the uh, Alan versus Farrow 
uh, documentary yeah. to that because there's so many parallels yeah, between absolutely. the stories as well and then obviously the connection and Ronan Farrow as well he, he has that connection with what happened to his yeah. sisters so it's, it's you see how he's driven by it yeah, in a lot of ways yeah. And, uh, yeah so I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that and it's, a, it's available wherever you get your podcasts mm-hmm. yeah. um, so Final. Final one. <laughs> actually going relatively quick. Well, I caught that the last time, and then, and then we didn't. But forty-eight yeah. minutes in. Brilliant. Okay. Well, yeah. I wonder when we get it in under an hour. Okay. So I have my uh, right. So the the final thing that we're going to <laughs> submit yeah. that I scribbled down earlier on. So hopefully I'll be able to read it. So we're going to talk about Speed Sound Lonely KV, which is the most recent EP from artist Kurt File. It was released in two thousand and twenty. It was recorded in Nashville's famed Butcher Shop or Butcher Shoppe. I'm not sure which one it okay. is. And it contains a vile's lovely and bittersweet collection of mixes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it contains a bittersweet collection of covers and originals, including a duet with the late John Prine. And it's almost seen in some ways as a tribute to John Prine. <laughs> I'm sorry, that has to be one of the words. I'll just play a little clip here now. (laughs) This is why I typed them. You've handwritten them, you know. But uh, yeah, so so, this, so uh, you had never listened to so I suggested so sorry my final thing on yeah, this sorry. was was Viles pleasant mellow lazy meandering singing enough to win over Will. <laughs> that just made it. You, you really pulled it back there at the end. Um, so you hadn't listened. to I haven't listened to any of his stuff, but, but I know you of him. Did you? Oh yeah, lots of lots of friends of mine and bands and stuff like that would would speak very highly of him. And um, I'd never, never gone looking for his music at all. And, but I had a good sense that I would like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised you hadn't yeah, listened to know. it before. Actually, it's just like, he's one of those guys who has a big back catalogue. He's one of these guys mm-hmm. who records a couple of albums a year almost, and he's he's loads of stuff. And it's a bit intimidating and not knowing where to start, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, so I had to listen to it only two days ago for the first time because I wanted it to be relatively fresh when we. This. Yeah, and um, I didn't realize it was a mix of covers mm. until I sat down to listen to it. And I, I was surprised to see there, there were three covers in there. I knew the speed and the sound of loneliness. Oh, you knew that's it, right? I didn't know. So when I first heard this, sorry, I will go back to you. But when I first heard this album, I didn't know it was covers up until very relatively recently, like two weeks ago. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll come back to that because I've an interesting question for you on that. But see, and and I knew John Prine stuff a little bit because many many years ago, uh, myself and two friends were doing like a like a singer songwriter night in the International Bar, and we played at it. Right. And then. So we were sitting there watching the rest, and they were a bit folky, and we weren't mad on that. But anyway, some guy comes over and he goes, yeah, glad you don't have a spare plectrum. John Bryan is here, and he wants to play a few songs. Oh, right. And we went, yeah, okay, give him a plectrum. And then he comes on, and I'm like, never heard of John Bryan before. Right. Point. And we had to go get our bus, so we all had to just, you know, get our coats on and our trudge out oh, our guitars God. past the stage in the middle of John Bryan's song, because we left it as late as we could, but it was mm. kind of worked out, we missed the bus. <laughs> We must have looked yeah, terrible. So every time John Prine's name comes up, I go, oh, oh. Yeah, no, but, well, he's dead now. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I can relax. Um, but he, uh, yeah, so I knew his songs. I my cup of tea. I could tell he was a good songwriter. Mm, John you know, Prine. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I knew he was a good songwriter, but just not writing the kind of songs that I, I would be mad about. But you know, you can you can recognise quality in anything, in something that someone's doing, but it's not for you. Yeah. So I could tell he was good. I didn't really like that. Uh, particular branch of country music that he kind of worked in right seemed a bit 
traditional. Mm-hmm. And I guess alt country was big at the time, or it become a, a newish thing, and it just seemed to have a little bit of an edge and a little bit less about your dog and your truck and your right. and, and the road and stuff like that. Because uh, I always had that thing. One of my favorite lyrics in pop music is from the band uh, Prefab Spread. Right. Do you know their song "Cars and Girls"? I'm not sure. It's about. It's basically a song about Bruce Springsteen. Okay. And just about the things that he sings about, you know. Right. And there's a great line in it where he says, "Some things hurt more, much more than cars and girls." Right. And I always thought, Bruce Springsteen is that to me. He's just this fake meat, meat and potatoes kind of guy, fake blue collar guy. Right, He's been okay. a millionaire for longer than he hasn't been. Right. But okay. he still sings like he. It's a John Bo- Bon Jovi thing where he works on the docks, mm. you know. And he never worked on the docks. <laughs> you were doing music since you were a teenager and, mm. and that's fine people can write story based songs without necessarily having lived them in a, in a way but um, but it was always a bit ordinary for me right yeah so um, so I heard that song and I, that's a catchy tune you know uh, but he did it very faithfully mm. there's not much difference between it and the the original yeah and even in the arrangement or the, the choice of instruments there was no new texture in there that wasn't in the original but I thought it was a, a fine cover of it Hmm. I didn't know the other John Prine song, and there is one other in there that I'm blanking on the name. Is there? Is there? Um, it was a Gone Girl. Yes. Oh, how lucky is the, is how, the other? How lucky one? is the John Prine? Yeah, song, yeah. And then is Gone Girl the cover or? Yes. Is that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who. I looked him up the other day, but he uh, he's a guy who had uh, written uh, a lot of songs for other people. You know, he's one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, the guy you'd never heard of, but has written loads of songs you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's the guy's name? Looking him up here. Johnny Cash covered it, I know that, and a lot of other people. But, uh, uh, right, okay. Uh, but I can't find the guy who originally wrote it. But yeah, I mean, I, the cover songs for me were by far the strongest on it. Right. And when it came to, I was more interested in his songs when I, when I, uh, Realized that there was sixty percent covers on this thing. Yeah. And when it got to his songs, I thought I they were pleasant enough. The first one, I think it's called, is it Diamonds? Dandelions. Dan- is, what's is the it, other one called? There's Dandelions and, and pearls? then. Uh, is it Pearls? Yeah, yeah. yeah I knew there was some jewelry in there. Yeah. Um, dandelions. Yeah. Uh, that's like a six and a half minute song. Oh uh, yeah. With I, no chorus. I love Dandelions, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But that's my favorite song in the whole album. Yeah. See, this is the, well, this is the thing. Because did you know that Kurt Vile was in War on Drugs? No. Right. Okay. It makes so, a lot of sense. Do you see, now this is the yeah. yeah. So we, yeah. we have covered Kurt, or, uh, War on Drugs and, yes. and this. And I always forget the name of the man in War on Drugs. Yeah, I just call him name. War on Drugs. Because it's, drugs just, it's basically just him. <laughs> so apparently, I don't know much about this, but all I know is that him and Kurt Vile and maybe a couple others, who knows, were in this band called War on Drugs. And then Kurt Vile left before it became, they became big. Yeah. And then they became big separately. Then right. you know, So Kurt yeah. Vile took off. War on Drugs took off. So, but I, I so I think War on Drugs because I was going to ask you, did you see any similarities between the two? Um, yeah. I now mean, this is. I should. Sorry, I should say that I've only listened to a couple of Kurt Vile's albums. I've only started listening to him in the last two years or so. So I, I don't know his work extensively, but I think I have an idea of his sound. This is quite different to his other stuff. This is yeah, a lot I did more look country, into another record of folky. his, uh, but this one struck me as I really like his guitar playing, that kind of yeah. finger plucking style that he has. But there was so little dynamic in that song over the course of six and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like he was having a great time playing it. Yeah. And he just kept going. I couldn't begin to tell you what the story of it is. 
But if you're gonna have a song for six and a half minutes with no dynamics and no chorus and no other part, then the part you're playing better be very compelling. And I didn't think it was that much. There was nothing wrong with it. Very pleasant. I enjoyed it. I'll never listen to it again. Really? So yeah. that's so interesting. And then it's funny because I obviously loved War on Drugs and I remember at the time, I think we listened to um, God, Lost, in the, Lost in a Moment, I think was the yeah. one where we listened to. And we got, I kind of felt similar about that in that I think there was a lot of songs where you were thinking it didn't really go anywhere and it was very long. And there's yeah. something, because it's the same with Dandelions. Dandelions is my favourite song on that album. Now again, right. with War on Drugs, I think it's possibly because I associate it with where I was when I listened to it first and I associate it with certain memories and things right. like that. The same with War on Drugs. Dandelions, I'm assuming, it's well, he talks about his three girls and he has a wife yeah. and two daughters. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's about that. But there's there's something about that song I can't really explain it. I always think it's because I'm not, I'm not musical. And it, but it was the same feeling I got when I listened to War on Drugs. And there's something I find quite compelling about it, actually, yeah. and quite captivating. Even though I can hear, it's extremely simple. Like for me, because I can kind of hear the very opening of Dandelions in my head yeah. now. There's something about the opening of that and just the way it's arranged. And even his singing, he's kind of talking along singing. Yeah. Even and I. I love the fact that it goes on for six minutes. I know it's probably technically too long, but because I like the song so oh, much, I yeah. just like the fact that it keeps on going. But I can't explain why I like it so much. The same with War on Drugs. There's just something about the way it sounds, yeah. the way it makes me feel. That Look, any complaints, not complaints, any, anything I have to say about this song is more based on what I feel I want in songs. In, in yeah. Sense. But I just kind of, there's part of me listening to it uh, as a musician as well, where I kind of go, why didn't you put in a chorus? Why didn't you? Right, yeah. Why didn't you have another part? Or because going to another part, when you come back to the main part, it gives it impact and it allows it to remind you why you like this thing again. But I, I thought there was yeah. a chorus there. It was just really, it's really short. Subtle. The daddy yeah. lines with my three girls. Yeah. I thought that was the chorus. It's like a one chord step yeah. out and then back in. And yeah. I just kind of, and I just got that's fine, but it's just. I don't need six and a half minutes on it. Right, yeah. And I just kind of think, there's no reason, there's no reason for this song to go on so long. It's just, I don't know. But maybe it's for people like me, who don't know sure. why they love no, the song so much. It's for so people like Kurt Vile, who just yeah. kind of, that's what he wants to do, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just kind of, for me listening to it, I just kind of go, why is this still going? Nothing is changing. You made your point, you know, and, it's, and I don't mean He's that. He's talking about his three girls. But is he adding anything to it as it goes on? Is it? I don't. Th- I don't think it changed. No, that's the, the, That's why when I was listening to it, it was when I'd heard it a couple of times. I think in the car, and then I, I listened to it again. Then recently, when we when we said we we're going to do it for this, and it's just something about it when it starts. I just think it's there's something there's something about his sound, and I sort of feel the same about War on Drugs. I, all I can describe this is like lovely and bittersweet. There's yeah. something. Yeah. In there oh, I definitely agree. I, I, I think it's there. I just don't need that much of it. Right. Do you know okay. what I, mean? I just think I do quite like long songs. Well, she used to yeah. listen to the field. I do like long songs anyway. This yeah. is actually a relatively short song compared yeah. to some of the field songs. Well, I, I mean, I like the long songs too, but I really needed to have more lots parts. of different moving parts. Yeah. Kind of phrase. Yeah. I just feel like I'm, after a while, I'm, I feel like I'm in an empty room and I'm not getting <laughs> anything more from it. There's nothing to look at. There's nothing to right. you know to, okay. to engage with because I've engaged with what you're doing and that is just more of it okay yeah so i found his songs to be the weakest on it but then i was thinking this can't and you had said that this isn't necessarily typical of his stuff yeah well it's a lot more and country it's a lot yeah. more folky and yeah so i listened then i went and listened i said there has to be there has to be some reason why everyone else is raving about this guy 
and I went and I found uh, his album Waking on a Pretty Days. Yeah. So I had listened to that and I liked that more. I right. really I felt there were more obvious choruses and dynamics in the songs. Yeah. Again I felt they were too long but I felt there was more variety on that and it was more interesting to me. Mm. But it it sounded like a less interesting Wilco. Do you know Wilco? I, I think I've definitely heard yeah, yeah it's, I, I, that's my recommendation to you is a Wilco album this okay. week. Just bouncing off this. Right, okay. And I'm not to say I'm not trying to go this is I'm saying to you that this is why I didn't enjoy this so much because I, I think this is doing similar things it, but with a bit more variety and that's not to say it's better but it's just why I can't enjoy this as much yeah. because it feels like it feels like a lesser version of yeah, something like else I found. Version you know of, like, yeah, I know what and you mean. Yeah. Maybe if I found that first and then found Wilco, mm -hmm. I would kind of go, oh yeah, this is a great progression, I can enjoy yeah. both. But the parallels are, are, are quite strong. Okay, well so that'd be interesting to listen to that. I, do, I know Wilco songs, I'm pretty sure I know yeah. Wilco songs, but I don't really know. Is There's it, a lot is it of a band albums. or is it one? Is it's it one? a band that, right. that took a long time to settle down in, into its current lineup. They've had this lineup for, I'd say, 10, 15 years now, but they had another 10 before that or so where right. it was a rotating. Uh, Rotating drum stool and the rotating, you know, bass player. Well, okay. the bass player is the one who's been with him with him all along. Um, but right. um, yeah. well, Jeff Sweetie is the, is the singer. He's written okay. a great book. I think it's called "Let's Leave So We Can Go Go Home." Right. And they have a great documentary about the band called "I'm Trying to Break Your Heart." Right. And the album I'm recommending to you is an album called "A Ghost Is Born." A Ghost Is Born. Okay. Yeah. Right. And um, so it's it's this really great mix of country with a kind of little bit of electronic elements oh, in okay. it and lots of pop in influence and but uh yeah i think you like it okay it. yeah but so, much more traditional song structures in lots of ways right well that yeah. and that is the thing about kurt file because i wasn't sure whether you're going to like now i thought you might prefer him to war on drugs though yeah definitely right definitely. okay yeah, yeah, yeah because definitely. war on drugs is a bit more like you know i love a little bit of reverb and kurt oh, yeah. does put that in there he but does. war on drugs kind of yeah, takes it and flies it, yeah. away with it but, but yeah. I think the, the war on drugs thing for me was i just i it you thought it was a bit about too his Bruce Springsteen kind of but yeah it was a bit like that for me but i think more it was more his Feel my pain lyrics. Right, yeah, yeah. I always just pff, yeah. pain, you know, get a grip, you know. <laughs> yeah, whereas Kurt is talking about his wife and two kids. Yeah, and I thought I found that very sweet, yeah. you know. But I think um I just don't like the um I find rock stars who are very introverted and, you know I just find them funny. Right. Tom yeah. York is funny, a funny oh, little okay. fish. You know, right. he's just you know, Tom, come on. Even Tom York, you would think... I think he's him. great. I think he's amazingly talented and mm. a great songwriter. I wish he would write songs more yeah. in some ways, but uh, I think he's brilliant. <laughs> but this persona he's chosen to put across right, okay. is very kind of, you know... Tortured artist. I'm, I'm deep and I'm sensitive. And, I'm, and you don't you think know, that's for real? No, I think right. there's a part of it that is, mm. but... He knows and I know how much fun it is to be in a band and how much fun it is to play live. Right. And that when you go on stage and all that fun and you stand there with your kind of, your dour kind of attitude towards it and we're not going to play the hits and stuff like that. There's mm -hmm. something perverse in that in a way, you know. Right, But yeah. I, I just, 
I find it funny more than annoying. Okay. I'm not annoyed See, by it. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. And I think probably the, one of the reasons that doesn't bother me as much is, like we talked about before, I never listen to lyrics. So right. I have no yeah, idea yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, I don't yeah, even. The only thing I remember from Danny Lyons was when he talks about the three girls and then I, they found out I had, he had a wife and kids. I yeah. think, oh, that must be about them. Yeah. So like, that's it. like some lines will stand out to me. So they can talk about whatever they want. Now, I do, but I do like some of the words the curve file puts yeah, in. Like, sometimes, like something about, somehow, sometimes you come home straight and you come home curly now I know that was a cover that was yeah, in the cover yeah, but yeah. that's the type of thing you hear him yeah. say sometimes in I think that songs might be did he change that lyric okay I thought it was so early did... and I, did he change it to oh maybe Cur- yeah, yeah. I, maybe it was because it did sound like a very like of, of the Kurt Vile songs that I've listened to but I do think you should probably listen to more of his stuff There's yeah I will I, I like that uh, I, I mainly listen like to his, his singles ra- or you know individual singles rather that there's a great song called um, Songs for John in D which is on an album called God is Saying This to You. Oh, sorry, accidentally playing it there. But that, yeah. I think you'd like that one. It, okay. the, the guitar in it is lovely. I think he seems like he's a brilliant guitar player. Yeah, no, he is. I, I really like the way he, he, he plays the guitar as well. So, Like in that song, Dandelion, so like he's, it has a very simple kind of feel to it, but it's not simple what he's doing. So okay, yeah, right, yeah. Good. And also there's another great song called Losing Momentum, and it's on an album called Square, Square Shells. So um, these could be EPs, and I never know right. the difference between them. But uh, yeah, so I think it, yeah. I think I it will would be worth... I will keep looking at it. I yeah, did enjoy it. I just, thought, I just thought... Maybe it was just an odd place to start from, which is why I was glad to move on. It, to it the, was sorry but it's most, about no, that. No, it's the most <laughs> it recent was. thing, so that's what. Yeah, I, I and was it was also all covers, which yeah. I didn't I didn't yeah. find out until recently. So, so I didn't know until recently. But no, so. I do like it, I, I, and I will investigate more because he, he seems like the kind of guy who has like loads of gems in his catalogue. Yeah, there might uh, be other things the, that I don't like. But yeah, there's no, going to be loads of stuff I do. That's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So, so maybe not this album, but Kurt Vile you would recommend. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd recommend this album too. I just think, you know, the the covers thing uh, didn't do him any favours in that his songs didn't stand up quite as well against them. Right, yeah. When you found out that the, like Dandelions is your favourite song, mm-hmm. it, so you weren't kind of, nope, yeah, it didn't take anything away no, from you. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, it wasn't like Speed and Sad Loneliness was your favourite song yeah. and you found out that it wasn't his. Yeah, the, probably if that, if Dandelions was my favourite song and I found out it was a cover, yeah. it probably would take a little bit away. Yeah. But then I suppose there's other Kurt Vile songs on other albums yeah. that I do really, really like. So okay. I suppose in well, that I think way. his covers are very straightforward. Right, they're and very I, light. I, I find I don't really not really don't really respond to covers that are very similar to the, what's the original point? Yeah, yeah. In a way. yeah but there's um there's a great cover of um everybody's got to learn sometime which was in the By eternal the sunshine well <laughs> <laughs> no the, the one Beck, i'm thinking about the, is the the, uh, the back one yeah which is no, a, that is one of my is, favorite yeah, covers good, and yeah so you, there's, there's some amazing ones that are better than the original but i thought mm. they were these were just as good yeah you know but <laughs> yeah. not as no, they didn't do anything differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. And then for next week, then I'll listen to Will Gold. A Ghost is Born. Yeah. A Ghost is Born. Okay, yeah. great. It's the one with the egg on the cover. It's a white cover with a white egg on the front. You know? Okay. Well, white cover with a white egg. So well, it's just white. Well, off-white <laughs> with a slightly different <laughs> colour white egg. You can barely see it. <laughs> right. Okay. A ghost is Born. Right. Great. And then recommendations then? Anything else oh, here? Oh, Recommendations. Uh, I have one, if go. you're struggling to think of one. Um, it's called The Forgotten... It's a podcast. Um, it's called The Forgotten Women of Juarez, and it's really good. It's okay. uh, very harrowing. It's by iHeartRadio. I'm listening to it on Spotify, but the, the studio is iHeartRadio, and we just went there. They seem to have a lot of really mm. good investigative um, podcasts, and it's about the thousands, possibly millions of this... No, thousands, anyway, hundreds of thousands of um, 
uh, women who go missing in Juarez yeah. in Mexico okay. and uh, young women as well, like wow. eighteen years old. And it's 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 yeah, like it's quite harrowing to listen to, but very interesting. And right. just following on from the Ronan Farrow ones, when there's this the couple of journalists who are and these journalists are very much putting their lives in danger because right. in yeah, Mexico, yeah. being a journalist in Mexico yeah. is extremely yeah. dangerous. <laughs> they don't so, care about your your fourth estate. Yeah, there, you know? yeah. It's um, like, so um, it's it's very good. Okay. Well, I watched, uh, this is not a recommendation, but it's just something that's in the public uh, sphere at the moment, this mm. Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Have you heard about this No, thing? but that sounds terrible. Justice League is the Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman Anything film that came out. Anything with the word League in yeah. the title, except for a League of Their Own. <laughs> a that's League of Gentlemen. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, okay. All right, so <laughs> this is, um, the Justice League movie was released four years ago, maybe, I think. And universally panned, but it was directed by this guy, Zack Snyder, who did uh, 300 right. and Watchmen and a few other films. Okay. But anyway, he had to leave the film due to a, a family tragedy. His daughter committed suicide. And uh, so they got this Joss Whedon guy in to oh, finish yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Buffy. And, yeah, another cancelled dude who, was, who seemed like he was a good one and turned out to be mm, a bad one. Yeah. He, uh, so he finished it and everyone hated it. Right. And then there was all this, release the Snyder Cut. The fans got involved and on Twitter they were demanding the release of this thing. Right. So he got a bunch of money together from Warner Brothers and he has made a four-hour version oh, of God. this two-hour film. Oh, why? And... He has decided, and it comes up at the start, this film is presented in 4-3 in to, to keep <laughs> with the director's creative vision. 4-3. Oh 4-3. Oh, my God. And everyone is like, oh, you get used to it. It's, no, nobody <laughs> wants 4-3. There's a reason nobody why we ever don't looked at a film and said, anymore. this would be better if it was more square. Yeah. Because we don't see things in 4-3 yeah. in our world. Everything is wide. Yeah. And so this is unnatural. And anyone trying to justify it is fooling themselves. Yeah. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh, really? It's so awful. <laughs> it's, and like, somebody did a calculation on it. Zack Snyder is famous for slow motion in his films. Okay. 24 minutes of this film are in slow motion. Jesus. You could shave 12 minutes off this thing by just ramping <laughs> just, them back up to normal yeah. speed. It's four hours. Four hours long. No film needs to be four no, hours long. Really. That no. is ridiculous. I, but okay. it was, people are watching it. If right. people want my take, which I'm sure they don't, <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> Absolute garbage. Okay. Batman says the <laughs> F word. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, right. To a really yeah. bad Joker There's... played by Jared Leto. Oh, God. <laughs> like that alone would yeah. just... There's something about Jared Leto. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't like him nice. as an actor. Like, nice. I'm sure he's grand as a person. Oh, I think I, he's worse. I think he's a real sleazy person. Oh, that's maybe. Oh, and maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I just... I never... Even in Dallas Buyers Club, which I think he won an Oscar for, and yeah. he was obviously very good in it. I he just was. never like him. Yeah. And there's he's something too good about, looking. That's his problem. Maybe. Probably yeah. good looking. Yeah, it's too pretty, yeah. I don't know. Everything yeah, I don't has know. gone his way his whole life because he's far too good looking and he seems a bit obnoxious because of it. But yeah, maybe Heck I don't know what it is. I just don't like him. Yeah. But uh, like when he was beaten up in, in Fight Club, I was kind of like, mm, fair yeah. enough. But uh, so watch, Rewind that a little bit once again. But, uh, <laughs> no, I actually can't watch that scene because yeah. it's so horrible. It's horrible. But anyway, yeah. and the other thing I want to watch, I haven't watched yet, there's a thing on Netflix called Sea Spiracy. I think it's about the seas and the damage that's being done to oh, them and the okay. conspiracy that's a behind. terrible name for anything yeah it's I think a they very... just call it conspiracy <laughs> yeah. at the end yeah. S-E-A <laughs> I yeah. just don't know why I'm not consulted about these yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, terrible Seems name. Spiracy. But I do like, I do, um, I do 
like the sounds of it. Okay. But um, and yeah. also I'm almost finished that book, American Dirt, that I was telling you about, which is also right. it's kind of related to Mexico violence and Mexico and drug cartels and all that. And uh, it's uh, and journalists getting killed because right. of it. So it's a fiction, but I'm assuming okay. it's based on things oh, that really happen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's 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 great. It's really you love good. a good journalist Mexican murder. Yeah, apparently yeah, <laughs> so at the moment. Anyway, yeah, it's a niche market, but yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're supporting it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so until maybe next week. Next time, or, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a relatively quick one. Yeah, sure was. <laughs> All right, until right, next week.